She keep me like a summer cool breeze, make me feel fine. Just sipping on that one puff, two drinks, way off my mind. That heart, a piece of artwork, that body in a t-shirt. My lips speaking these words. Hey. Damn, baby, damn, baby. Damn, baby, it's a type of way you make me feel Every day I'm writing songs about you On the back of a plane Never been so happy to get back to LA Thunder and lightning, darling Hello, everyone. Welcome to Blind Love Radio. I am your host, Anna Fazio Rosen. That's me, people. Hey, I'm so excited that you're here. This is season two. This is going to be centered all around relationships, and I want to get into the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the romantic, the creepy. I don't know. Creepy? Maybe. I'm here for all of it, and I want to just explore the topic. I don't want to leave any stone unturned. I have a really fun lineup of guests and topics. I'm so happy to be back and I'm so excited to start this new season, this new chapter. And without any further ado, here is my first guest, Lucy Price. I'll see you on the other side. She keep me like a summer cool breeze Make me feel fine Just sipping on that one puff, two drinks Way off my mind That ought to be so awkward That body in a t-shirt Okay, so go ahead and just introduce yourself to all of our listeners Tell us who you are, what you do Um, Yeah all right. Hi, everybody. My name is Lucy Price uh, from Shift Your Story, and I'm a mindset coach. I essentially help people shift their negative beliefs, shift out of patterns that aren't serving them in their relationships, in their lifestyle, in their businesses, in area, any area of their life where they're finding constraint coming up for them. I help them shift through that with mindset work and emotional intelligence. Ooh, that's so cool. How did you get into that? So I got into this. It's kind of a little wild story. Um, I'll give the TLDR version. But essentially, I started, you know, I graduated college a few years ago at this point, And I got a corporate job, you know, kind of the next stepping stone in life, um, or at least what I got brought up in anyway. You go to college, you get a corporate job. And I entered into that corporate job and I was really unhappy. It was really anxiety inducing for me. I was not expecting it to be as painful as it was. And I started kind of looking around me and I realized everyone looked unhappy. Like there were very few people in the office who I thought (laughs) were actually enjoying what they were doing. And there was this one particular day where I sat down with somebody and we were sitting in the lunchroom and this person was probably about, you know, 20 years older than me. Um, And she essentially said to me, you know, I got stuck in this job and I have a mortgage and a child to pay for. And if you're unhappy here, you have the opportunity right now to do something differently. Um, And for me, that 
like honestly that conversation when I think about you know my business shifter story it's, and that was like the initiation of me shifting that part of my story shifting that part of my life and so I saved up from that corporate job and I left that corporate job and I actually pursued my yoga teacher training um, which then you know unleashed me into health and wellness and so I started um, doing some health and wellness coaching and that led me to realize that really what I wanted to support people in was the more emotional side of life the the mindset shift of life where if you make these cha- like changes if you shift these patterns you can really create the life that you want to live you change your mindset you get your emotions on board you take aligned action and then you go for it and you start to really watch your story shift and change and unfold into what it is that you want it to be. So it all started from a corporate job that didn't serve and it taught me a lot. And then I just followed the strength to where I am now and I followed my heart and I followed off of my gifts and here I am. So what was some, some mindset that you had or a mindset that you had that you had to change to be where you are now? So I think the biggest thing that I had to change was my belief system. So I, at that point, I did not believe that I could do anything different than, than working a corporate job, for example. And so for me, part of the process was simply becoming aware of my belief system and starting to question like, all right, are these limiting beliefs true? Is it really possible that I could not get a job outside of corporate America? No. You know, logically, there are thousands of jobs out in the world. So why was I being so attached to this belief system? So I started to look at my beliefs. I started to look at what I was attached to. And then I started to ask myself, like, is this belief true? Is this belief serving me? And is this something that I want to be true for myself? And I started asking those questions for everything that came up, whether that's, you know, work or relationships. I asked myself those belief system questions like, do I believe it can be different? And I started taking action to towards new beliefs. Ooh, that's so cool. So what did you find once you changed your beliefs? Was it like very quickly that you feel like your outer world changed when you when it was like mirroring the work you were doing internally or did it take time? I think so in general, I think it can be different depending on the person. For me, in terms of my timeline, when I first started shifting my belief system, when I started shifting my mindset from, you know, either the victim mentality or just being trapped in uh, patterns and thought cycles, for me, it took a couple years. Um, but that also was because I was so attached to those belief systems. Nowadays, it does not take me that long at all. And like my belief system can change in a matter of days and it does. Um, And I've noticed that for my clients as well. So I think the timelines can vary. For me, when I first started doing mindset work, it did take some time. Um, But also it's just a new skill like anything else, right? Sometimes it takes a little bit to get the hang of it. But it can also be adopted into your life very, very quickly. And now it is in mine. So how do you feel like you applied that to relationships that you were having? Like totally. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So to give a kind of a little bit of a backstory in me and my relationship, um, there was a time in my life where like relationships caused me a lot of anxiety. Um, Like going back to the age of like 15 years old, 
getting asked out in high school, relationships caused me a lot of anxiety. And I could never understand why. Like, I remember this very particular instance of this boy asking me out to a movie, you know, and for five days leading up to this date that I had planned, I was so anxious and I was so nervous about this date that I ended up canceling this date. So I come from the, yeah, I know, poor, poor Lucy. And then he started going out with a friend of mine and then I really started kicking myself. But of course he was fully in his right to do that. I had turned him down. So I, I come from the background of relationships really caused me a lot of anxiety. And that was the place that I operated in. I operated from the place that relationships were stressful, that I was unable to have good romantic partnerships. And that carried me all through high school. I started to adopt this belief system for myself that... Where did that even come from? Well, it came from a couple of places. I think it came a lot from some relationships that were presented to me growing up, for example. Um, So, for example, like I witnessed friends, parents arguing or something like that. So I started to get this belief system in my head of like being in a partnership meant arguments or being in this partnership meant conflict of some kind so my guess is it originated from some of those things um but I also think that it was just one of those things to some degree totally I feel like anxiety can be so random too absolutely and like the thing about anxiety is the brain is trying to solve for a million problems when it doesn't always have just cause right so sometimes we can build up an imaginary problem in our head and then try to solve it and then come up with five new problems. And that's just kind of like the nature of anxiety. It's a future feeling emotion that we're trying to like fix before it's even happened. When half the time, it's probably not even going to happen anyway, <laughs> because that's how, how the future goes. Totally. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how it all started for me. And then in when I was in um, middle school into high school, I also, you know, it, sometimes kids can be mean and sometimes kids can say things and you know there was a few times that I got picked on for how I looked or you know I didn't have as many friends at that point so I started to develop some of those like you know inner child wounds surrounding how I looked and even just my relationship with my friends so I think it probably stemmed a little bit from that too from insecurity um insecurity of how I looked and how I felt and then it kind of carried out in this way into relationships so yes Mm -hmm. So that all happened through high school. And then I got to college and all of a sudden, three guys were interested in me (laughs) and they were asking me out on dates. And I was like, I did not expect this at all. It completely like threw me through the ringer. I was used to not, you know, having guys pay attention to me and not only that, but I pushed them off. Um, And so eventually at that point, I kind of had to start facing this more and questioning to myself, like, what's going on? Like, why is this? you know, so challenging for you? Why, why is this coming up for you in this way? And so I started to look at it and I started to kind of dissect it and I started to question, you know, again, going back to questioning the belief system and questioning how, you know, how I operated within that and if it served me or not. Um, And around that time was the first time I started, you know, therapy and I got introduced to therapy and I saw a therapist and we chatted about it a little bit too. But I really started to look at, okay, what are the like thoughts that are coming up in my head? Are they true? Are they serving me? And do I really believe them? Or am I getting trapped in a cycle of attachment to this? 
I love therapy. Yes. Yeah, right. I think I also think like if no one's ever tried therapy before or tried even like a session with a coach before, I would highly recommend it. Like you don't need to have anything wrong to go to therapy or anything wrong to go to coaching. Like always just give it a shot. You never know what you can learn about yourself. Totally. So what were some of the new beliefs that you replaced the old outdated ones with? Yeah, so the beginning beliefs, they really started more self-worth, you know, like, I am worthy of a good relationship, or I am beautiful. Because part of this also wrapped into my own opinions about myself and my own insecurities in myself. Um, And so it really started with loving myself first, and realizing like, no, I'm an amazing person. And all of these fears and anxieties surrounding relationships, they're unnecessary if it's based off of me, you know, if it's based off of my worthiness, because I'm inherently worthy and I'm inherently lovable and I'm smart and mind and intelligent and beautiful and all of those things. So I really started with the self-love and learning to love myself first, because, you know, during that time. And I built up some other things. I had some, you know, funny issues with food and body image and all that kind of stuff. And so I really started doing the inner work there on myself. And then I started to look at the anxiety and I started to actually. Hold on. Can we go back? Mm-hmm. What did that sure. really look like? Like, I feel like mm-hmm. when people are like, I started loving myself and I was doing all of these things to like mm-hmm. build up my self-worth. Like what actually yeah. did that for you? Because I find that so Absolutely. interesting. Yeah. So yes, thank you for asking. So what I did in particular was I wrote out all of the beliefs I had about myself. Like this is one of the first practices I've ever done. I wrote all the beliefs about myself. So let's say like I had a belief probably at that time that I was ugly, right? I would start by shifting that statement. So in column A, I would write down, okay, these are all the limiting beliefs I have about myself, about my appearance, about what I think about myself. So, for example, if I thought to myself, I'm ugly, I'm not intelligent, I'll never be good as Sally in the corner, you know, whoever it happens to be, I would start to write the opposite of those thoughts. So, for example, for I am ugly, I would just write, I'm beautiful, for I'm not worthy, I am more worthy than I can ever imagine. I'm not as good as Sally in the corner, I'm my own unique person, and I'm perfect just the way I am. So, I started to write out these beliefs I had about myself. And I started to shift them for myself. So this is more of like the mindset aspect of it. So I think like when it comes to like self-love, there's mindset. There's also like the physical aspect of like loving yourself and serving yourself and also the energetic of it. So how can you energetically serve yourself in that way? So I started with the mindset aspect. Um, And I would flip those thoughts for myself. I would flip those beliefs. And then I would read that to myself every day, you know, every morning. I would read those beliefs out to myself. And this was a consistent practice. Every week, I would rewrite whatever beliefs I had about myself, and I would flip them. And I would read those new beliefs to myself, the, you know, the beliefs of I'm beautiful, I'm intelligent, whatever it happens to be. So that was the first practice that I ever did. Um, And I think that's a good like jumping off point for people because it's, it's something that it's it's kind of like an easy starting off point. It doesn't require a lot of like different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like tools. Components. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Like tools to it. So that was like one of the first 
mindset practices I've ever done. Um, and then when it comes to the physical, you know, like loving myself physically, it's, and this might sound a little silly, but I kind of look actually at like what I was adorning my physical body in. And if I liked what I was wearing and if I liked the fabric and if I liked how the fabric felt against my skin, because if you've ever been in an itchy sweater, you know, you want to rip that thing right off of you, like as soon as you get home. So I started to look at my wardrobe and I started to look like, how am I treating my physical body? Like, how am I treating what I'm putting on my body? Do is what I like see in the mirror that I don't like really me or is it how I'm adorning myself or whatever it happens to be? So that was another small practice that I started to incorporate in terms of loving myself. I gifted myself clothes that I actually enjoyed. You know, I gifted myself fabrics that felt good to me and felt good to my skin. Are you a Taurus? I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> oh, oh, so you just had a birthday. Yeah, I did. Oh, do you know like your moon and your rising? I do. So I'm a Gemini moon and I'm a Virgo rising. I feel the Virgo. You're so practical. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And that's, what I, I definitely find like, I, I think these tools have helped me because they were practical, right? Like I'm, I'm very, um, what people like to call woo-woo and I'm sure you are too, cause you just asked me that question. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like these were good introductions for me because of the practical and yes, I'm a very practical person. I definitely like to know why I'm doing things or how things work or whatever it happens to be. It's so cool because it's practical, but it's also so healing in like an everyday mm -hmm. way. Like I said yes. these mantras to myself every day and then things started mm -hmm. changing. That's so yeah. powerful. That's so cool. Yeah. And also like energetically, you show up differently if you're wearing an outfit you enjoy versus not, right? Totally. I love sweatpants as much as the next person, but I feel a little, you know, insecure when I go to Walmart and my sweatpants, you know? So, so I think just how you dress yourself, it completely, it starts to shift your energy because you feel different and you, you know, you feel just different in yourself and how you think you look or whatever it happens to be. Especially like in a relationship when you're showing mm -hmm. up and you feel pretty, like even if you just like washed your hair, it's like mm -hmm. I feel better and I'm showing up like I have something to like offer everybody. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And I definitely think like so that like physical practice of adorning myself differently, that definitely supported me when it came to my relationships because energetically I felt more confident within myself. And that was one of the things I was working to shift in myself at that time when I was first starting to engage in these relationships again. Cool. Okay. So let's go back to where we were in your story. You were talking about yes. like how we were applying this to relationships. Yeah. I can't exactly remember where I was, but essentially like the timeline then was I was starting to date and I was also starting to look at my own, um, like, sexuality. I, I realized that I was, you know, bisexual. I was equally interested in women. And I realized, like, that, that discovery had a component and why I felt so anxious in relationships. And it wasn't necessarily because of men. It was just because something always just felt a little bit off. And I didn't, like, fully, I kind of always knew that about myself, but I never fully, like, said myself oh like this is a part of it too you know like actually I'm bisexual and that's why I kind of feel 
a little bit off sometimes because I feel I felt like I was hiding that part of myself. So at that point, you know, I was started to be very open. Um, and luckily, you know, I went to school for acting, so that was not a problem at all. Like everyone was like very supportive. Um, and my parents were supportive, so it was never an issue. Um, but I started to like openly share that. And like kind of once I got that weight off my chest, it all started to unfold a little bit more easily for me when it came to like engaging in relationships and thinking about things from a more romantic place. Um, and so eventually this all kind of leads up to, I, I, I had my first girlfriend. <laughs> like I, I feel I had like a boyfriend in elementary school, um, kind of going into middle school, which it counts, but you know, it wasn't the same thing. Um, but I had my first girlfriend and, you know, at first it was secret, you know, she, she did not tell people. Um, so it was like a secret relationship and what that ended up doing for me, um, you know, no hard feelings at all, but there's something that didn't sit well with me about it. Um, and that's not me saying like anyone at all. Like if you don't feel comfortable sharing that side of yourself, honor yourself. But, you know, for me, I felt like I was hiding and that felt hard in a relationship because all I wanted to do was like love her and go on dates and like be very open about it. So what that ended up doing to me is like kind of perpetuating the anxiety cycle a little bit more. Yeah. (laughs) Especially like coming out and feeling so free, but then immediately like going into a relationship that made you feel like you had to pretend and hide again. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's and this is like for me, this is kind of a part of my story where I feel a little bit more complicated about it because I I think for a lot of people it really is to some degree unsafe to come out, right? To to share that side of yourself in some parts of the world. Yeah. And so that's why I wanna be like very you know, very clear that there's no shame in it for me. Like in my thoughts and opinions about it, there's no shame in it. Like if you're if you're not out, like I hope that you are safe. Like to anyone who isn't out, I hope you are safe. I hope you know you're loved. I hope that you you feel comfortable within yourself. And if you do feel comfortable coming out at some point, like I send you so much love in that process. But also it's okay. You know, it's okay if you're not there yet. Um, and so I just like, I want to make that clear because I know it can, you know, it can be hard. Um, but there was a part of me that felt like I was hiding again. and that And that was difficult for me at that time. How do you feel like we can reckon with our own shame around relationships? Like whether who we're attracted to or things that we might not like about ourselves that, you know, essentially we bring into a relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like it can never really be healed by anybody else. It kind of needs to be something from with or some some sort of validation we give to ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have any like experience with that or? Yeah, I think for me, when I look at shame, um, the first thing I would invite for people to do is like, as much as you can put a boundaries around the areas that are perpetuating that shame. So for example, if someone is making you feel shameful, I'm gonna I'm just gonna give like um kind of a quirky example. If someone is making you feel shameful for 
watching the great British bake off, mute them on Instagram, (laughs) you know, like try and allow that to stop coming into your field of energy or your mindset or just kind of like who you are. Because when you're still introducing those thoughts, those beliefs, everything like that into your field so personally, it, it makes everything a bit harder. So like try and dim down as much as you can the sources that are perpetuating the story of shame. And then what I would most say is like, when you look at the shame, you have to look at it. Like you have to look at the shame and you have to be present with it and you have to allow yourself to feel the feelings, whatever's associated with, with shame to you and feel it and allow those feelings to be released because sometimes we get trapped in the feelings of shame. And when we can feel it, you know, and this can be through crying, you know, getting angry, um, stomping, yelling, whatever, just like allow yourself to feel those emotions that are coming through when you feel shame and allow those emotions to be released in your body. And then I would probably say too, like, ask yourself, when did you first start feeling this? Like, when can you like think back and ask yourself, like, when did you start feeling this shame? And can you send that version of yourself some love? Can you send that version of yourself, like a message, like saying to yourself at that point in your mind, like, this is nothing to be ashamed of, or I'm here with you, or I love you, or, you know, whatever surrounding that same topic. And just slowly, slowly, every time you look at it, every time you send yourself that love, every time you send yourself that message, it'll get a little bit easier. And then I would also say, like, talk to someone you trust about whatever it is you're feeling shame around. And this is probably one of the harder parts for people is to like actually talk to someone about it because that's when we're vulnerable. You know, that's when it becomes something we're keeping trapped within ourselves to something that we're releasing out into the open. And for a lot of people, that's a very vulnerable place, you know? Yes. Oh my God. That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So we're, Dating our first girlfriend. Dating our first girlfriend. Um, and that ends up, you know, that ends up not, not you know, working out. Um, and it was for a variety of reasons. But at the, at the end of the day, like, she was a very wonderful person. It just wasn't a match for us at the time. Um, and, and a lot of that was due to, you know, my own anxiety. A lot of that was due to her own anxiety about being open about her sexuality And so we got to a point where it's like, this cannot continue to work. And we released the relationship. Um, And then at at that point, I started to really start looking into relationships. Because I had noticed, like, this theme of anxiety in relationships had been with me throughout my entire life. In, you know, in romantic encounters, but also in friendships, you know. Like, I would even get nervous about friendships and being open in friendships. I... I don't recall ever really having a lot of friends. There's just like a couple close people. And part of that's my Aquarian too, you know, like I I find a lot of Aquarians have like a few close people, but I started to really dive into relationships and start asking myself like, okay, I want to have good relationships. What, what is it that I can do to start learning about relationships to start engaging in relationships in a healthy way? Um, Because after 
that girlfriend. I also engaged with, you know, some relationships with guys where I felt a lot of boundaries were crossed. You know, I felt that I was giving more than I was receiving. I started over-investing because of my anxiety. I started over-investing because of the insecurities that I still held about myself and about the relationship. So after those series of relationships with guys, I started to really start digging deeper into relationships and learning about communication, learning about boundaries, learning about body language, learning about how people thought and work together. And so that's when my, you know, my studies around relationships really began. And I was able to start implementing that into my own life. Ooh, I love that. That's so juicy. So what were some of the boundaries that you discovered really helped make your relationships healthier? Mm -hmm. So in terms of like boundaries with, with my relationships, the first like boundary I would say is simply the energetic boundary. So how much energy I was going to give to different people. So I noticed, especially in those relationships with guys, that I ended up thinking about them a lot. (laughs) You know, I ended up thinking about them. I ended up trying to text them. I ended up trying to talk to them. I ended up driving to see them, but they would not drive to see me, like those sorts of things. So energetically, I was giving a lot to those relationships. And I started to ask myself, like, how can I start setting up these containers with my energy? Because energy, you know, energy is something that we can't really see. It's something we feel, right? Like sometimes we can see energy. I know people like have those gifts, but for the most part, energy is more something we feel and we sense with each other. And so I was starting to like learn this energetic boundary within myself of like, okay, how much energy do I feel is depleting me in these relationships? And how can I start setting up boundaries around that? Were you having the same problems with women? Or was it more of like something with men or was it like I, similar? Yeah, I think overall, I would say it was probably about the same. It showed up more in my friendships with women, but it showed up more with my romantic relationships with men. That's so interesting. I feel like w- as women in a relationship, we tend to have more anxiety. That could be just totally mm. not real, but off the top of my head. <laughs> um, in my experience with working with clients, I have personally not found that to be true. Um, oh, do you think a lot so of men have anxiety too? Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I like culturally, so. I feel like women get the, I guess, um, what am I looking for? Like the archetype of like maybe more submissive or like mm. more anxious. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, which I, yeah, I guess is not always true, but yeah, I think so. In my experience, I, I have found, I feel women tend to get the, I want to say like stigma of being emotional. Yes. But or when you hysteric. Look, mm-hmm, right. But when you look at men and women, like women, we go through these hormonal cycles, you know, or, or people, you know, people who have periods go through these hormonal cycles. 
but but I find that it's more acceptable, you know, stereotypically acceptable for a woman to reveal her emotions or to talk about her emotions with other women than men. Like men have a bit of a tougher time. Um, I think that's what I noticed. Like men still feel all the emotions. They feel the anxiety. Like they feel the anxiety of like being left on red when a girl isn't texting them back. Right. It's just, I think it's just expressed differently. Um, so I think all of the, the key emotions are still like there. I definitely think that, you know, every, everyone feels these emotions. And I do think that people, different people feel different emotions to different degrees because of experience or whatever else. But I've not necessarily found that one party is more emotional or anxious than the other. Maybe it's just more socially acceptable for men to repress it, like you're saying. Yeah, I and I think that's mostly what it is. Or for, you know, kind of, again, like more stereotypical of like men will get angry or women will cry or like whatever it happens to be. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. I keep it. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> keep asking questions. I absolutely love, you know, I love talking about this. So, <laughs> okay, so you were in the, this relationship with men or you mm-hmm. were dating, you were kind of dating around with guys and these boundaries yeah. were coming up where you were giving more to the relationship than they were. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I noticed a lot of that was, like, me letting my energy, like, seep out in some kinds of way. So I ended up actually having ch- a chat with a good girlfriend about this who, not dating, you know, just a female friend. And she, I talked to her about this, about, you know, I feel like my I'm giving all this energy to this person. and like, they don't care. Or I'm doing so much and they're not giving anything back. And she started to say, well throw your love to the grid then. Like if you're giving all this energy into one particular thing, you can give some of that energy to, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, you can give some of those things to other things as well. You can give some of the energy you're giving to one person to other people. And so that's how I actually first started to get introduced to energy, energetic boundaries. It was by noticing huh, when am I giving energy to someone to the point that it's not feeling good anymore. Because when it starts not feeling good, that's when the boundary needs to be set. You know, whether it's like you don't feel you're getting anything back, you don't feel replenished by the engagement with that person. And then it's how can you redirect that energy to something else? It's like if you're not feeling lit up by practicing the piano, but you like playing the piano for, you know, a certain period of time or for, you know, or in a certain way. You can send some of that energy from what you would have done if you would have just kept doing it to the point of discomfort and send some of that energy to reading a book instead or something like that. So it's just starting to learn how to redirect energy to when it wasn't feeling good. Love that. So what did you do like practically? It's like just getting other hobbies so you're not as like overthinking. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I definitely had to check my mind, right? Because what when I first started trying to redirect the energy in relationships, my mind would keep going back to that person. So my mind would keep going back to that situation or, oh, he still hasn't texted me back or, oh, you know, this, that, and the other thing, or, oh, I'm thinking about this person again. So I had to start catching my mind um, because we have so many thoughts in a day. It can be like five minutes into a thought process before we realize what we're thinking about, for example. 
And so every time I found myself thinking about that other person or a scenario or whatever it happened to be, I would give my mind something else to do. Um, so that could be, for example, like a hobby. You know, I started um, something called slow art at the time. Like when I was going through one of my, you know, one of those breakups with those guys, I got into flow arts and I started practicing instead of trying to think about him or go onto his Instagram page or like whatever it happens to be. Right. So I started flow arts. Yeah. So like, is that like a vinyasa flow or like painting and being Um, on flow? So it's like, um, hula hoop dancing, for example. Um, so like hoopers. Yeah. So I bet that would just totally bring you into the moment too. Yeah. So that's what it really started to do. Um, so I practice, so hula hooping is kind of like, or the hoop rather is one of like the more well-known flow art practices. The next one I would probably say is poi. If you've ever heard of poi, it's like these, you know, balls on strings essentially. Um, I actually practice fire fans. So like these are things you light on fire. Like you can light these things on fire. Um, so for me, that's, this is kind of left field, but I started like practicing with fire. Like that's how I got that's my mind. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, I'm not recommending everyone to go play with fire, you know, be safe <laughs> and fire, like hire a trained professional and to teach you and all those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I started to like play, I guess, play with fire to distract myself um, and practicing these different arts to get myself back into my body. Because when you're playing with fire, you've got to be aware of your body. You've got to be in the moment um, because that's when, you know, things go wrong when you're not in the moment. So that really dropped me into the present moment, which made me release those other things. So you have to have an activity to drop you into the present moment. And that's where like the physical practices come in, you know, of, working out or doing yoga or dancing or, you know, breath work or, you know, any kind of these different playing, you know, playing outside, going canoeing, just something to get you back into your body and into the present moment. That really helps when you're trying to redirect energy away from things that aren't serving you. So how did you see, like, once you were back into a relationship and then you started implementing these practices, what did you find? Like, how did it look healthier or how did you feel? Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I learned to notice a lot more quickly what did not feel good to me in relationships. Um, so whenever... For example, with the energy, whenever I start to notice, oh, I feel like I'm giving more than feels good right now, or I feel like I'm giving a lot but not feeling filled up by it, I would start to notice like, okay, that needs to be an energetic boundary. Like I need to notice that, all right, this is where I find something else to do so that I do feel good when I'm with this person. So I do feel good in the relationship with this person. So I started just kind of finding my own limitations and what felt like a good enough amount of energy to give. Um, And then I also, in terms of energetic boundaries, I started trying to develop this mentality of give to give and receive to receive. So essentially, like, give without any expectation of receiving anything in return, and receive without any expectation of having to give something in return. 
So I started to develop more of that in terms of energy as well. So overall, what I started to notice in my relationships was they were healthier because I wasn't getting, what's my word, um, spiteful or angry. It takes away when I, like that whole mental tally. Yeah, exactly. Yes, the mental tally of like, well, I did this, so you need to do this now. It's like, no, like balance. When we think about relationship balances, it does not necessarily mean tit for tat. It means what feels good to you and what feels good to me. And when it starts to feel out of balance in terms of what feels good for you and what feels good for me, that's when we look at it again, right? So it definitely started to take away that tit tat. It allowed me to release a lot of resentment because I realized, like, I was expecting things of people that were, you know, frankly unfair, you know, unfair to to ask of them without communicating clearly with them <laughs> that I was doing it or that I expected something or whatever it happens to be. So I started to really, when it comes to energetics, like I started to notice where does it not feel good and what feels really good? You know, the flip of that too, what feels really good to do in terms of these relationships and how can I get to give and receive to receive? So how did you communicate this? Like, was it easy for you to talk about it? Talking, did you even talk about it or did you just kind of do it and then let kind of the boundaries speak for themselves? Yeah, I mean, this all, so when I think about the unfolding of my own journey, things kind of like melted together in terms of timelines when I started working on different things. So it all kind of happened you know, one piece here, one piece here, one piece here. When I started learning about boundaries and implementing boundaries, frankly, I did not have the communication skills. Um, so I, I did not communicate clearly for a lot of when I was boundary setting. Um, and then that was the next thing that I had to learn for myself. How, how do I communicate clearly? How do I communicate kindly with compassion? Um, what are different ways to communicate? What, you know, ways of communication didn't feel good? So that was kind of like the next step on my journey in terms of, you know, I started with like the boundary setting and then I started with the communication and they all molded together at different times as well. You know, it wasn't one, two, it was kind of more of, you know, like a hodgepodge come together. Um, but in terms of communication, I, the, the first thing that I learned was just learning how to directly communicate with people. So there, there kind of tends to be two ways. Oh, Sorry, the smoke alarm apparently just went off. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> One moment. Let me just... Okay, it's <laughs> okay. I'll pause. Okay, so I started to really, really learn about direct communication. Um, so I tend to find there's two communication styles. So I think there's, I mean, there's probably more, but the, the two that I look at is direct communication versus indirect communication. So direct communication is essentially communicating what you're thinking or what you're feeling. So in terms of a, a request, for example, like if I'm with my boyfriend and I personally want the dishes done, I would like him to do the dishes. Direct communication would be, hey, would you feel comfortable doing the dishes right now? You know, and making that request directly. Indirect communication might be, me picking up a, a cup, looking at him and slamming it in the sink and kind of like nudging to the sink and trying to like communicate non-verbally that I want him to do the dishes. Um, so a practice that I adopted in, 
in my own life was as much as possible, try to directly communicate because it's the communication style I find to not have as many interpretations, not has, have as many interpretations. So, um, for example, indirect communication, there's not necessarily one that's inherently better or worse than the other. I just prefer direct communication, but people might've grew up in households where it was indirect communication used more. Like if, if your, your parents came in upset, you knew right away to go to your bedroom because if you were to stay there, something bad would happen as opposed to your mother coming in, being upset and being like, please go to your room. I'm not in a good mood or whatever it happens to be. So sometimes people might grow up with more direct communication. Some people might grow up with more indirect communication. It just helps when both people are on the same page. I find that's more likely to happen if it's with direct communication because you are really stating it as clearly as possible in my experience. So that's what I encourage people to do. Um, But there's a lot of instances where people adopted indirect communication because that's how they you know, navigated their childhood or what they were taught or what their parents were taught and so on and so forth. But I started to adopt direct communication. So I started to, if something didn't feel good to me um, in terms of energy, I would start to, to actually ask. So for example, I would say like, hey, I'm noticing that you're not really responding to my messages anymore. I'm feeling a little insecure right now. I would like to know where we stand. Could you please let me know where you stand in our relationship? And so I started to like directly ask for it. I started to directly communicate where I felt like my boundaries were being, you know, either crossed or I didn't feel good about something. I just started to adopt direct communication a little bit more. That's so emotionally mature. I can't take it. <laughs> it it took a long time. And and you know, and the fact of the matter is I'm not perfect, you know. And and even people who I find have been doing this work, you know, what I like to call the inner work, there are times where you're not in a good mood and you forget to communicate clearly. There are times where you don't feel good and you snap at somebody. And so it's a process. It's it's something you I find that I have to consciously do, but it always works out a little bit more better. Like, to, like to the, I'm at the point in my own life now where, you know, my, my partner and I are very, we try to communicate as well with each other as possible. And sometimes we will joke with each, with each other of like, can you make a more direct request if like we're making eyes at each other or like, <laughs> was that an indirect request right there? So like, we also remind each other to directly communicate with each other because that's something we think is really important in our relationship. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a process, but it's so helpful because that's, it, it just leaves less room for interpretation. And also I think it allows people to feel more heard. Totally. And what about like, if you're upset and you're fighting, do you have any, like tips for people about communicating like me and my husband Mm -hmm. we figured out we can't fight before we eat like we have to eat Mm -hmm. and then that usually solves like maybe 50 percent of problems if we just have dinner first is there any like really (laughs) practical tips for like when you're talking about something that's maybe a little bit more challenging 
Yeah. So I'm going to come at this at the stance of like a partner. So like a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or, you know, whoever else. Um, because I think my answer would generally change a little bit depending on the person. Like I wouldn't give some of the same relationship advice with their partners and their boss, for example. And there might be similar threads, but not exactly. Um, so like with, with a partner, if in terms of like communicating clearly, what I would say is kind of starting off exactly with what you said. Like notice for yourself, when was the last time you've, you've eaten? When was the last time you've had a glass of water? When was the last time you went to the bathroom? <laughs> like, you know, just kind of basic human functions. When was the last time you've done these things? And if you haven't done those things in the last, you know, two hours, go do those things first and then come back. Um, so in terms of practical, I would say something like that. Like, look at your human needs first, if possible, and then come back to it. Um, and then the second thing I would say is breathe. You know, and it's it's the common one that I'm sure people hear, but but really do like take a deep breath or take a couple deep breaths and allow there to be uncomfortable silence, like allow there to be space. Um, because I think oftentimes too, when it comes to arguments, it's very tight and it's very quick. Like it's one person, one person, one person, like back and forth, like a ping pong ball kind of thing. Um, but, but when you allow yourself to breathe, your body starts to relax a little bit more. There's a little bit more of a pause between the two of you and you can kind of slow down and slow down your thoughts and center yourself so that you say what it is you really mean and say what it is that you really want to say and how you really feel. So those are the first like two practical things that I would say to people. Like, is your human taken care of? Are you breathing? And then in terms of like the actual communication or the argument or whatever it happens to be between two people, um, in general, I would say ask yourself if this is something that should be discussed right now or is there a better time to discuss this and set a time for it. So, for example, if I'm, you know, if I'm working from home and if my boyfriend was at work, we don't really argue, but, you know, fake scenario. Like, <laughs> if that was the scenario, when we started getting into an argument over Messenger, I would do those first two things. And then I would say, hey, let's talk about this when you get home. You know, let's talk about this in person. Let's talk about it at 6 p.m. tonight, you know, and like set a time for that. Because sometimes it's just not the right time to have that discussion. Um, so I really ask, like, is this, is this a discussion that you need to talk about right now? Or is this a discussion to have some space, you know, have some breathing space and come back to it in two hours? So those are, would be the top three things I would say. Those are so great and so practical. Um, what about communicating things that you feel vulnerable about, like opening up to mm -hmm. your partner? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Any thoughts about that? Yeah. So I would say... My first thought would be the first thought that came into my head and what I teach my clients um, is nonviolent communication. Um, being vulnerable is hard. This is the formula I would say is like the most, this is, this is a form of communication that I think has been very beneficial for people in terms of communicating vulnerable things. So basically nonviolent communication, it's a format of communicating and it's based off of like, Noticing your observations, noticing your feelings, your needs, and then making a request of them. So 
So, for example, if you're sharing something vulnerable, like you feel insecure about them talking to a female friend of theirs, you know, and it's just a friend, but you're feeling insecure about it. Like you can utilize this formula and use I statements. So I'm noticing that there's a lot of communication happening with, you know, Sally in the corner (laughs) and I'm feeling a little insecure and I would like to have some reassurance that you love me and that you want to be in this relationship with me. Can you give me that reassurance? So like maybe observation, I see you're talking to this person a lot, you know, the feeling I'm, I'm feeling insecure and not blaming them for anything and not like accusing them of anything, but just saying you're feeling like this is how I'm feeling. And I would like to know if you're still in this relationship with me and can you, you know, just reassure me right now. Um, so I would say that formula is pretty good and using I statements is very helpful. And when it comes to vulnerability, I I kind of have like two thoughts about it. Like where, where is the vulnerability coming from? And can you be aware of that first and settle it a little bit within yourself before sharing? Ooh, those are so good. And I love the way that you phrased the statement or not even the statement. I wouldn't say it's a question, but like, yeah, a question. Are you, can you tell me, um, can you give me reassurance about our relationship? And I love that it's not Mm -hmm. like asking a specific thing because of because it kind of gives some freedom to the other person in the relationship to mm-hmm. give the reassurance the way they feel comfortable with. Like whether mm-hmm. that be like just verbally saying it or like giving you a hug or like whatever mm-hmm. their way of like showing love is. That's so smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the other thing like uh, in terms of vulnerability is there are some things that we're just vulnerable about. Like as people, it's very human. You know, vulnerability is such a human thing. When it comes to our intimate relationships, that vulnerability is still going to be there. But when we're able to be vulnerable and when our partner is, you know, able to meet us in that vulnerability, there builds trust there. And so what I will also say to people is sometimes it hurts, but if you're noticing they're keep being vulnerable with your partner and they're not able to meet you in that vulnerability, I would also look at that. You know, I would also like start to question that too. And it's a hard thing to do, but, but yeah, I, in my experience, when, when a partner is in it with you and you're being vulnerable, it might take them a second to understand, you know, it might take them a second to, to come around to whatever it is you're saying or trying to communicate, but, but they will try and meet you there. Last topic. What do you Mm -hmm. think about growing with your partner? Like as you guys Mm -hmm. evolve and do individually, how can Mm -hmm. you still grow together in the relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I will, I will share a little bit about what my partner and I do. Um, So my partner and I, we have common values. So like every year, for example, we will kind of get together and snuggle and, you know, it's very casual, but we will like ask ourselves like, okay, like what are our shared values? What are the shared things that we want to do? 
Um, and so, for example, like a shared value of ours is physical activity. So like in the ways that we grow together, it can be like through hiking or like whatever it happens to be. So in terms of growing together with your partner, I would say like, look at what are the areas of your life that you want to grow together in? Um, are there particular values that you want to grow together in? Are there particular things you want to grow together in? Um, and communicate those to each other and make plans to do that with each other. So um, if you want to grow in how you communicate with each other, then maybe like talk about it and talk about wanting to grow and how you can, how you want to grow in communication with each other. And maybe you make a date to your date night is going to a communication workshop or, you know, maybe seeing a couple's therapist or whatever it happens to be and developing that together. Um, or if it's just a hobby, you know, you can grow in that hobby together and like do pottery or whatever it happens to be. Right. So I would say communicate your values and communicate your interests with each other and grow in that way. Um, and then the other thing I'll say too, like in terms of growing with your partner is, it's a lot about allowance. I think sometimes people try to force it, but you're going to grow in your own life in the way that you're going to grow. And your partner's going to grow in their own life in the way that they're going to grow. And there's some control you can have in the way that you will grow together, but also you just have to allow it. You just have to allow it to be what it is going to be. Um, and I find that when people try to force the growth, that's actually where more of the constraint happens and where the, the fallout happens in trying to grow together. Um, and then also, maybe this is like a bit contradictory, but make sure you do want the same thing still. Like if you're getting together and you're, you're sharing what your values are and you're sharing what it is that you want to grow in, and if your partner is not, not feeling the same way, maybe that is a, a further discussion. Um, so for example, like my partner and I, you know, if this is, I honest, I feel like this is a very, very cute thing that we do with each other, but we've agreed, like, we're going to stay together for as long as it makes sense to you. And if that's until the day we die, then great, <laughs> you know, then it made sense for the rest of our lives. But if there's ever a point for us where it doesn't make sense or our relationship needs to mold into something different, we've decided that we're going to allow that. We're going to allow that shift. Um, but I would say in terms of growing with your partner, ask yourself, what are the shared values you want to bring into your relationship? What are the shared interests? And be very open and communicative about that. Ah, that was so beautiful. Thank uh, you. <laughs> so where can everybody find you and work with you and all of the things? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at lucy.m, as in Michaela.price. Um, or you can find me on my website, www.shiftyourstory.net. Awesome. And where are you located? I'm in the States. I'm in Michigan. <laughs> cool. And do you work with people like over Zoom and virtually? Yeah. So I, I work with people over Zoom. So like I have clients in Finland. I have clients in Florida. I have clients in California. Yeah, I have clients all over. So people can, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Um, I work with different time zones and different states and different backgrounds. So yeah, absolutely. This was so much fun. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Again, just to do it all again and not change it.
single thing Baby, before I met you, I slept in bedrooms Got drunk with my friends, gave lots of tattoos Now I only want you, so sublime, so true She keep me like a summer cool so excited to be back i am so excited for this season thank you so much for listening to today's episode this is gonna be such a fun wild season i know it and i'm ready are you ready i'm ready um thank you again lucy for coming on the podcast it was so fun talking to you if you enjoyed this podcast blind love radio please rate it five stars and leave a review love the stars people love them so i hope you have a great day so excited to see more of you more often And that's it. Peace out, people. Smooches. Last thing, today's song was Damn Baby by Alt Bloom. Bloom.